Hi, we are doing a quick segment about Dark Mouse, The Climb and Other Tales, a project currently on Kickstarter that is going to end on May 5th. It is a wonderful story created by Nathaniel Osoyo, and he's poured a lot of love into this book. It is Dark Mouse, The Climb and Other Tales on Kickstarter. It's also under projects we love on Kickstarter, so usually on the front of the Kickstarter page. Congratulations to Nathaniel. Hello, all you sexy listeners. We have a huge announcement. For the first time ever, all the hosts of Yes, a Stripper podcast will be doing a live show on May 15th at 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Our hosts will be doing performances, there will be guest interviews, and you'll get to ask questions live on the air with our hosts. Tickets are donation-based, and you can find them on yesastripperpodcast.com. Please join us for the first ever All Hopra's Extravaganza. Welcome to Comadres y Comics. Comadres y Comics is a podcast hosted by three Latina women. We highlight the Latinx presence in the comic book industry as creators, characters, and fans. Join us as we talk chisme, comics, fandom, and beer. Hello and welcome to a new episode of Comadres y Comics. This is episode 149. We are your hosts. I'm Sarah. I'm Kristen. And I'm Jen. Hello, hello, everybody. How's hello. everybody doing? Happy Easter. Hello. Happy Easter. Oh. Felices Pascuas. Uh, I I saw there was a post from uh, Joel saying, Happy Zombie Jesus Day or something yep. like that. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, that makes sense. It totally does. I like the ones where it's like, he has risen and it's uh, the little Pillsbury Doughboy. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, heathens. That's all of us. <laughs> uh, you know, I believed growing up, I believed more in the Easter Bunny than than Santa Claus. And I always wanted to wake up extra early on, on uh, Sunday, like Easter Sunday, to go find the Easter Bunny hiding the eggs in the park. And I always wake up and my parents said, you missed him. You just missed him. <laughs> I'm like, damn it, one of these days I'm going to catch you in the act. That's funny. Well, similarly, I also believed more in the Easter Bunny than Jesus. (laughs) Incredible. Is this just like second or third generation American like feels? Because I didn't know the Easter Bunny existed until I was in high school. Oh, wow. Really? Uh, No, like I wasn't. I didn't know the Easter Bunny existed or anything like that. My parents were just like, what the fuck is the Easter Bunny? Get this yeah, giant rabbit man out of my house. I can definitely see that it's some kind of American weird thing because, um, like I said, I, I made a joke, but Easter in my house was all about getting together, having um, family together, eating, doing the Easter egg hunt, getting the Easter egg basket from the Easter Bunny, and um, we would do egg tosses. It was like an all-day thing. We would barbecue. We would have all kinds of fun, but we never went to church. Easter was not, I would say maybe a couple of times we would go with my grandmother Um, but it was, it was, uh, not the main focus for my family. So when, whenever people are are posting their posts, like he has risen and all this other stuff, I'm like, oh yeah, that's (laughs) that's what Easter is. Oh man. (laughs) I don't know if this is a Catholic thing or like, well, it probably was a Catholic thing, um, mostly. Um, but Easter Vigil, which is basically going to church the night before and staying up yep. at church yep. and singing him. That was my Easter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like, it's it's I've kind of funny of because it's, um, uh, I think it's like once the, when the pandemic started, of course, like that didn't happen. But me and myself and just like when I, I stopped going to church, I think I haven't done an Easter Vigil in like five years now. But before that, yeah. Do they like, feed you? No. You oh, are man. you are to kneel and suffer in silence. You kneel the whole time. Uh, it depends oh, on how goodness. devout you are, but my mom made me kneel. Do they? Do you? Can you at least pack a lunch? 
Is it lunch? Like, if you were gonna eat, like, usually, like, after the vigil, like, yeah, there would be, like, food afterwards, like, that the mm-hmm. church provided, or, like, that people, like, volunteered to, like, make and stuff like that. But it usually wasn't much. It was, like, a like a, a cafe con pan, stuff like that. It depended on the church yeah. that you would go to. If we went to the nice church in downtown, there would be more food, and it was more like a, mm-hmm. like a festival uh, kind yeah. of thing. If we went to our more local church there was just like little small pieces of food and then people would like split off towards the end so i would do the, mm-hmm. like the whole like go to the park and stuff like that um, um and when i was a kid i'm pretty sure they did take us to church but i would just sleep through the whole thing but i do remember like as a kid like when my parents were part of a religious group we would go to the park and do like the whole like easter like sunday like at the park hunting for eggs and stuff like that did i know why mm-hmm. we were looking for eggs i had no idea i had literally no <laughs> clue i don't know why eggs were a part of the of the thing but they just were and it was fun yeah yeah i guess it is kind of weird when you think about it the a, a rabbit hiding eggs that clearly come from chickens. <laughs> well, we had the plastic eggs, so there was always like peeps inside or chocolate or whatever, which I we, thought was cool. We did both, but it was a big deal for me as a kid to dye my own eggs. I love dyeing my own eggs, and for whatever reason, I love the smell of that vinegar. <laughs> you know, I just I just didn't like hard-boiled eggs. I still don't. And I love them. That's probably why I... That's probably why I do not did not enjoy dyeing them that much. Uh, I would eat them for weeks after we'd put them in the fridge. So it says that history.com reports that the Easter bunny was first introduced in the 1700s by German immigrants here to America. Mm. We did I remember doing both like the hard-boiled eggs and the plastic eggs. But also like that was fun, but no. I like the flour-filled eggs, you know, the ones where you just, you buy, usually someone oh, makes them and you buy them. We or would do the else. confetti. No, we went hardcore. We went with flour. Like, the confetti ones hardcore. were fun. The confetti ones yeah. were fun, but the flour ones made people's life a living hell, and we like that. I never heard of that before. That's funny. Yeah. Even oh, my God. I, I'm pretty sure I have pictures somewhere <laughs> of, like, one, like, me and, like, my cousins and my family, like, covered in flour so it's like the egg like but instead of confetti it's filled with flour mm-hmm. and man <laughs> well like when you're sweating and stuff like that and there's flour in your hair that shit oh, kicks up goodness. it turns into yeah. dough in your hair it's absolutely yeah. disgusting but it was so much fun <laughs> ouch oh wait till that got in your eye <laughs> you mean that's why i have bad vision <laughs> oh, no all right, guys, now it's time for Chisme de la Semana. Kristen, what do you have for us today? Well, the Chisme I have, first of all, have you both been reading, reading, watching Moon Knight at all? Hell yeah. Yes. <laughs> I, I wait for them all to come out and then I Oh, that's it. right. So um, I've watched the first two episodes and I'm honestly pleasantly surprised at how much I do like it because I've only read a handful of Moon Knight stories and um, was super confused at them uh, and kind of did not have a firm grasp of who the character really is like he's so outside the box of normal marvel superheroes and so um i kind of went into the tv show with not very much very high expectations but i have to say that i was just floored by uh how amazing of an actor oscar isaac is in this in this in this role like he's just his and and it's kind of super even though we're dealing here with mental health issues on one hand it's also very in another way the way he plays uh the character um that is not mark specter whose name i always forget (laughs) um uh, (laughs) is like super like lighthearted and funny and like he's dealing knowing that he has the insomnia and these other issues but like the jokes he cracks and everything i just really it was entertaining to me and so my achievement is that uh, the writer who writes Moon Knight is said to be attached to um, 
the property for Nova that DC Street Plus is actually um, developing for a TV show. So um, I'm super excited about that because um, the only Nova I know, obviously I know there's the original Nova, but I know um, the younger son of Nova as Nova because that's where I started reading comics. But I really enjoy uh, that character. He is a Latinx character. And I'm really excited to see more from this writer because I'm just really enjoying Moon Knight a lot, and I really um, would love to see more of these kind of B-list characters, even C-list characters, I would say, um, being developed for Disney. Oh, absolutely. Oh, I would have put Moon Knight as D-list. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's going to become A-list pretty soon because Oscar Isaac is doing such an amazing job. I mean, he's basically like acting right now three different characters. Mm -hmm. Um, on the show so and they all are totally different so it's it's just crazy I can't wait to see what else and um, I don't want to spoil anything but there's more I think than <laughs> just those those three characters so I'm very mm-hmm. excited I, I'm just like wow I'm floored he's amazing you know he was born in Guatemala yeah he's Guatemalan no, Cuban yeah and he's hot as well mm. <laughs> Isaac sandwich. Anyway, uh, yeah, that's really crazy and awesome, entertaining news and cheesement because, um, yeah, we need a little bit more DC stuff out there. Just uh, DC, DC. (laughs) Oh, I'm so sorry. I, you know what? I don't. You know know what? She got so distracted by Oscar Isaac as like she she completely switched up the property. (laughs) Holy crap! The power, the power of lustfulness for Oscar Isaac. It confounds the mind. You know what? Valid. Oh, totally. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Totally get it. Okay. (laughs) I can't even come back from that. <laughs> All right, guys, now it's time for On My Radar. What is on your radar, Kristen? Well, I'm a little bit surprised that it wasn't on your radar as well, because what I have on my radar this week is Nightmare Country. And if you don't know what Nightmare Country is, um, you're about to find out. It is from the Sandman universe, and it's a terrifying travelogue through a nation both recognizable and obscene, which will show you things seen in no Sandman series before it's written by horror comic superstar James Tinian, which is knocking it out of the park with all of his horror stories. He is just so talented of a writer. I think he may even be um, booting Colin Bunn as my favorite uh, horror writer. Don't right let now, Colin Bunn just has so, say that. <laughs> he just has so much stuff uh, out. He's the writer of Something is Killing the Children, which everyone really loves. I haven't gotten into it because I missed a lot of the first copies because we sold out of it, um, but people keep telling me you gotta read it you gotta read it but nice house on the lake was um one that came out within this last year that i really enjoyed and i think i shared it with you guys on my radar but um this uh story is it's super weird it's super uh cool super creepy um but it is basically um Introducing two terrifying new characters, Mr. Agony and Mr. Ecstasy. They're a deadly duo of killers slipping along after the Corinthians quarry, killing anyone in their path. So um, I am not far enough into Sandman to know anything about the Corinthian. I know that he shows up in that story, but because I'm not far enough along, I don't remember much i think i only read the first two trades or something like that but he is a big character in this story and he's so creepy uh and he is showing up in people's um nightmares um but also showing up in their real life or is it their real life we don't know uh but he happens to be terrorizing this one dude who's having a one night stand when he sees that the woman whose home he is in is an artist who is painting depictions of creatures that look like him but he's never seen her before he doesn't know who she is and so this intrigues him so he actually shows up on her doorstep and is like 
basically like, who are you? Um, there was a first amazing issue. It actually got me intrigued to start restart Sandman, especially with the TV show coming. Um, I'm really, really looking forward to continuing reading <clears throat> Nightmare Country. And if you're into horror I and you've never read Sandman, I don't even think it matters. It's It was just really that good. Oh, yeah. The Corinthian was one of my favorite characters, uh, Nightmare. He he was a nightmare with uh, eyes. He didn't have eyeballs. He had, had teeth. teeth. Mouth. Mm-hmm. He had yeah. mouths. Mouths? Mouths with teeth. <laughs> yes. Uh, for eyes. And, um, yeah, he... he uh, when Sandman was imprisoned, he left the dreaming and walked among men. Um, mm-hmm. And he... Um, Anyway, that whole story was so compelling. Uh, but yeah, no, this sounds amazing. Um, so I, I can't wait to read it. I'm That's going to be on my pull list because I'm excited now. Super <laughs> excited. Yeah, no, it sounds super, super cool. I'm such a big fan of Sandman. So I'm just so excited to read a little bit more about like other characters that were within the dreaming. So that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Not only that, because like uh, the Corinthian was such a captivating figure too, because there was nothing... Like, if you took away, like, his, the, like, eyes full of teeth uh, thing, he was just, like, a plain character. He had no defining mm-hmm. features. He had no th- nothing. It was just the eyes. And the way that the artist drew him was, like, really just terrifying. Um, mm-hmm. um, and it was, it, it was a, a really, like, he was, he was an interesting character. And very much after I read the his story in The Sandman, I started having nightmares about like eyes full of teeth. And I was just like, hmm, you've done your job. Good job. Good job, Neil Gaiman. <laughs> All right, guys, now it's time for La Hora de la Cervecita. What are we drinking today? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So funny predicament. Since I am all the way in San Jose, sometimes I can't get a hold of the beers, or I have the beers, I'm just unsure, or I'm unable to attend some of the sessions. Um, um, So, all this to say is that we get confused about what beers we have on hand, because we have them! We just don't know which ones. (laughs) Yeah. So, but today we tried, we literally went through a series of about five different beers that not all three of us had at the yep. same time. So we've decided to compromise and we're going to try two different ones so that you all will have the benefit of hearing our review of two different beers um, and uh, we get to start to whittle down the amount of beers that are in our refrigerator because when this <laughs> happens, I don't remember which one I can drink or which one I can't and so I end up not drinking any of them so I, we, I need to start making a an inventory so i i get it straight <laughs> yeah i'm yes, the opposite and I, you drink them all <laughs> <laughs> uh, because so i handed off to to jen but then was just so lax that we had beer in the fridge that i was like i'll just give kristen hers later and had i given it to her earlier we would have all had three at the same time like mm-hmm. uh, like two different ones all three of us would have have had so the, i was just lazy and i honestly was gonna stop by on friday and drop it off but i then i forgot to put it in my car and anyway <laughs> so anyway now we're drinking two beers today yes yeah, so <laughs> one of these beers um is a beer that i picked up in san diego all the way back in november so that just gives you a little bit of an idea of how many beers we go through and so much so such a backlog that uh, we haven't gotten to beers um that i bought six months ago so um i i definitely think that sarah um sees beers and like and buys them and gives us new ones and then that's where I get confused because I get all these new ones and I'm like well what about these old ones can I drink them now I'm not sure so that's where it builds up (laughs) so I need to start writing them down (laughs) honestly same oh yeah absolutely I think we could definitely uh, figure something out but for now it's la hora de la cervecita and what is Kristen and I are drinking the limited series MKSDB the ball what is it called be the ball it's be the ball yes i don't know be the ball well, there's a there, there's a golfer it's, in the front yes 
And he's he's uh he is blindfolded. blindfolded. Yes. So I don't know why we sh- I should have asked. <laughs> but um this is a super interesting and unique beer, which is why I wanted to share it and have everybody taste it, because when you read the description of the flavor profile, you'd be like, what? What is going on here? So this is a Sour India Pale Ale brewed with tangerine, milk sugar, and vanilla. And this was one of the ones that I bought in November, and I specifically was focusing on holiday-type flavors. And um, the vanilla kind of gave me that along with uh, tangerine kind of gave me that vanilla a uh, vanilla Christmassy feel and so that was why I chose this one and now it's uh, April and we're just getting to it <laughs> well it smells sour so oh yes and it is you- a sour and I've never heard of sour IPAs before Mm-mm. so that was the other thing uh, so before we taste it Jen what are you drinking so we can all taste together I am drinking Paloma Goose. Ghost? Ghost, I think, yeah. Ghost. Okay. A Paloma-inspired ghost. It's a 5.6 ABV, and it's done by Owl Farm? Animal Farm. Yeah. Owl Farm. Uh, Owl Farm. (laughs) Yeah, Owl Farm. And uh, this one, I didn't know what a Paloma was until, like, when Kristen mentioned it. And also, they have a little description right here. It says, the Paloma is a tequila-based cocktail most often prepared by mixing lime juice, tequila, and a grapefruit-flavored drink such as fresca or squirt. Mmm, squirt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember, <laughs> didn't we one? have a Paloma beer from, um, what's his name? The comedian? Oh. Uh, yes. I, I can did, picture uh, I what he did. looks what like. George Lopez. George Lopez, yes. George he Lopez? had a Paloma beer. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> Um, uh, but this one is supposed to have grapefruit, lime, sea salt, wheat, coriander, and blue agave. So, mm. oh my god, I don't know why that sounds so familiar. Like I've seen it. What did I? What happened to it? Why don't I? You have drank it in a drunken stupor. <laughs> oh, oh my goodness! <laughs> All right, so I'm gonna open mine. Yes. Hmm. Ooh, fizzy. This, you know what? Definitely smells. Mm-hmm. Sour. Mm-hmm. This smells like a watered-down tequila. No, you know what this smells like? This smells like that Mexican restaurant that we go to that's by your house. La Cantina? Oh, the Cantina? No, the other one. The other one. The fancier one. Oh, Madres. Yeah, Madre. Madres. It smells like Madres. The one that... The one, because mm. it's a mezcaleria. Yeah. I learned today oh, okay. that the difference between mezcal <laughs> and tequila is that tequila is only derived from blue agave, but mezcal oh. is made from any agave. There you go. Mm, got it. The more you know. Got yeah, it. I, had some, <laughs> I had some mezcal drinks yesterday. I'm still feeling it in the tummy. <laughs> And mezcal is um, more potent than tequila. Oh, well, that explains oh, that's everything. Why <laughs> it gets you fucked up faster. Yeah, I'm not a fan of tequila because in high school. Okay, here's the thing: when you're in high school and you're in college, you can't afford the good stuff. You can't afford the stuff that doesn't smell and taste like ass. So you associate tequila with ass and with just feeling so horrible because you drank so much of it, you threw up (laughs) because that's what you do in Mm -hmm. high school and college. But now that I'm older and I can afford a little bit more fanciness in my drinks, I realize that there's actually some tequila that tastes good and has like that tequila has just like beer and wine has different profiles and different flavors and just different, um, varieties and so um going to madre and and tasting all what they have over there and all the the yummy uh drinks that they have and stuff and they even have like um shot flights where you can get like little shots of different mezcals and oh my try God. them all yeah 
So, uh, yeah, in high school and in college, Jose Cuero was not my friend. <laughs> I don't think he's you're anybody's friend. Cuervo, that's yeah, why. I think he's trying to kill us slowly. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Yeah, that's what I'm saying is like, yeah, that's what I all I knew back then. Mm-hmm. I get it. I get it. My dad would dish out the good money for the good tequila and I would just steal his alcohol. So, you know. It is what it is. Speaking of which, I had a tequila shot yesterday of this bottle that was apparently $250. And that Mm. went down really smooth and it was perfect. It was really delicious, actually. Mm -hmm. I was really taken aback because I also had the whole like tequila isn't really supposed to be delicious. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Because it's, you know, burns going down your throat. Mm -hmm. But this one was just so smooth. But anyway, um, what do you guys think of your beer? I, I, yeah, it's sour. It's uh, it has those hints of of vanilla, but um, yes, it's it's a bit too sour for my stomach right now. I think because I have oh, I was gonna say right yeah, for your situation, yes. For me, it's not sour at all. It says it's a sour IPA, oh, okay. and obviously. It, for an IPA, it's more sour, but it's not sour at all to me, um, as opposed to other actual sours that we've had. I don't taste the tangerine in the beer, uh, in the can, like I did when I had it off tap. Um, and I honestly don't taste the vanilla either. I don't know what I taste, but uh, I'm the, the flavor profile is way different than when I tasted it uh, on tap. And I don't know if it's because it's been sitting there for five months, if that's a thing. Um, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm I'm not a fan of this um, beer. Um, uh, what about maybe yours, a hint of tangerine, but that's it. Like it's to me, it's not as it's not as well rounded as it was when I had it on tap. Mm, okay. What so. about yours, Jen? I really like this one. Uh, like, and I'll, it really does taste like I left, like, a tequila cocktail out in ice, and it got diluted. Mm. Like, and, but I mean this in, like, a good way. Because sometimes you don't want to get fucked up too fast. Um, Because, uh, <laughs> like, legit. And so, or, like, you want to, like, drink something that's, like, kind of similar, but also you don't just want to drink something that's that strong in alcohol. And this is what this kind of, like, tastes like. It, um, um, it's, it's really refreshing. Uh, when I first took a sip of it, uh, all I could taste was, at first, kind of like a, like, just a regular, like, wheat beer. Like, oh, that's literally, like, this was the first time I could have been like, oh, this was made with wheat, like, for sure. Um, but it wasn't, it wasn't heavy, it wasn't too light, it was, like, a little bit flavorful, but I was just like, oh, nothing to sneeze, uh, nothing to sneeze about. But then I drank it again, I took another sip, and then I could taste the coriander. Mm. Then I drank it again, and I could taste the grapefruit. And then I drank it again, and this time I could taste the sea salt that they used in it. So it's definitely, with every sip, I was able to more identify different flavors and the more cohesiveness of the flavors as well. So it's pretty good. Uh, The the wheat taste and, like, that, like I said, it smells and it, like, very, it tastes like a watered-down tequila, basically. Like a, te- mm-hmm. a watered-down tequila cocktail that just, as you keep sipping it, you are able to, like, distinguish the notes and the flavors a bit more. And so I'm going to keep doing that. It's it's pretty good. It's decent. It's a good it's a good beer for a hot day, mm. which is, it's, like, kind of windy here right now, like, a little bit cold. <laughs> it's, not, it's not, like, it's not cold, cold, but it's not, like, hot either. So it's all right. It's a pretty chill beer. Nice. Nice. <clears throat> well, with this one, I'm not really happy with it, and I think um, it this I, I think for this type of beer being sour and stuff, I think it would be really good for a michelada with the michelada mix. But that's that's about it. <laughs> no beer is good for michelada with me because michelada is so disgusting. I don't know why I just cannot get into micheladas. 
But uh, I cannot taste vanilla. I've been sipping it as you guys are talking, and I'm trying to taste. I can barely taste the tangerine. It's it's not sour to me, but definitely not IPA tasting. Um, I definitely um, do like this uh, McKellar uh Brewing in San Diego because they had so many cool, interesting, different combinations of beers. Um, but I do remember liking this one a lot more when it was on tap. Um, so yeah, I, I, I would probably not, uh, buy this again, which is fine because they rarely do, uh, repeats. They're always ones and one and dones with the exception of a very few. Mm hmm. All right. Well, uh, since we all have different beers, we will conclude this beer review. All right, guys, now it's time for our book review. What are we reviewing today? So today we are reviewing uh, Life of Shay. Shay? Che. Is it Che or Shay? Che. 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 You know why? Because he's Neither Argentinian. Of those. And he's Argentinian. <laughs> <laughs> so he was from Argentina and he yeah. would say che a lot. You know how they say boss che boludo. No, I do not so they, know. They just started calling him che. I had no okay. idea what you're talking about, but that's very interesting. Okay. <laughs> I thought it was yeah. just like a um like a nickname for uh I was like how do they get che 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 out of Ernesto? <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, yeah, I mean, uh, uh, we are reading Life of Che, an impressionistic biography <laughs> written by um, his full name is, uh, oops, oh, it just says Osterheld. I don't know. I know that it says in here, uh, Hector Herman Osterheld, who was born in Buenos Aires in 1919 and is considered one of South America's greatest comic writers, which very, very much interests me uh, because the comic book medium is definitely known to have been born here in America. And it's very, very interesting to me when I see all these other ones that were obviously in existence back in the day, like the others, but just a lot of people, they don't get a lot of, uh, um, people talking about them. Um, and then the artist is Enrique Breccia from Buenos Aires, who's an acclaimed Argentine painter, illustrator, and cartoonist, and is probably best known to American audiences for his Swamp Thing run for DC's Vertigo imprint. So that is oh, wow. super cool and interesting. Um, and so this book uh, is very interesting on a lot of different fronts. Um, it was originally written by uh, Osterheld back in, let's see, the late 1960s. Um, and it was uh, written, I guess published actually, right after, um, now, now I, I have to remind myself to say Che <laughs> instead of Che Guevara. Um, <laughs> Right after he died in 1967, um, this book was taken from headlines and also diaries um, of Che Guevara uh, and um, it actually was scheduled to be released just one year later after his death, but didn't appear until 1969 because of just all the weird, horrible, like, uh, revolutionary stuff still going on and happening. Um, there were some things that happened that prevented it from being um, published, um, and that it was just it was dangerous to do so do so under the military government. Um, so even so dangerous that it was originally released under a fictional imprint. Um, they had to create a fictional publishing house just to, um, just to release it because of just the dangers of, uh, focusing on such a political icon in this book. Um, and so, um, it was super, super interesting to learn that and even more interesting to learn that in 1973, government 
governmental agents raided that publishing house uh, and just completely took uh, and destroyed all of the original art, all the printed copies, and any means to reprint the book at all. They were all destroyed. And so this book that we have in our hand here is a translation from a book that was restored in Spain in 1987 from a rare printed copy that somebody found. So that is super interesting to me about the history and life of just how this book came to be in our hands today. Um, and today it comes to us by Fantagraphic Comics. Um, so we are looking at um, this biography written in a very interesting, weird way that I will basically come out just personally to say um, that was super hard to connect with. I had a super hard yep. time connecting with uh, with what was going on. And I think maybe the it was... The story, the characters, the history. Yeah, I think maybe it was because I just am not... Okay, so I came to this book wanting to learn more about everything that went on in that story and in, in that that period of time in history. But um, I feel like this book probably is more of a... Uh, more of a like handbook kind of or like a Dream. side story to something yes. to, to somebody who already knows what's going on and it kind of just like accentuates yes. the story by giving a little bit of more person personality to uh the characters um and so for that reason itself i was a little bit disappointed because i i wanted to learn more like honestly the the it was cool to me that I learned that he was like freaking a doctor, that he was on his way to become, he was in medical school and he was on his way to become a doctor. I had no idea. Like I, I have very little knowledge other than the fact that he's on shirts and very young kids gravitate towards his ideology and his, just what they think he stands for. Oh, yes, 100%. I completely agree with you. Now that you narrated that whole hardship of this book becoming and being in my hands, I feel bad that I did not connect with it. I feel bad that it wasn't something that I even liked, um, mm -hmm. per se. Um, it was... <laughs> you know how Jen describes some weird books that, you know, uh, like a fever dream? Yeah. <laughs> fever dream. <laughs> So, um, so this book, like Kristen said, like if you knew the history behind that whole story or that whole thing that happened all those years ago, then this would be an accompanying kind of artist impressionistic biography that you could appreciate yes. but mm -hmm. i mean they threw they threw names in there that i mean like peron i i don't really know anything about peron um i don't know anything about you know like it uh, they just threw them in there like uh, it almost seemed like you know how like when you name drop in a conversation <laughs> that's what it felt <laughs> like to me like i could not connect uh-huh like, I don't know who that is. I don't know what's going on. Like, I really wanted to learn. Like, you know, I love books where yeah. I learn stuff. I actually feel like I learned more about Che in that uh, Motorcycle Diaries movie with uh, Gael Garcia Bernal. Um, so um, I hate to say this, but it I did not connect with this book at all. <laughs> the art was really moving. I really loved the movement of the art. It's black and white. And there was so much... Um, there was a lot of distinction in cinema, the paneling, but on some of them, it just, it was just like, uh, just darkness. So, um, I don't know, like maybe, maybe just because the story didn't grab me, I couldn't really like connect with the art either. So, um, yeah, that's, that's how I feel. What about you, Jen? As with most communist figures, I'm a little bit, um, um. They're controversial, like mm -hmm. extremely controversial. You would go to Latin America, you go to Argentina, you say Che Guevara's name and they you'll get mixed reactions because mm -hmm. he I think even now he's I think he's still an icon to the poor, but he's also been his image 
has been taken and westernized and commercialized as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's really really it's really funny because I do think genuinely think that he had some good ideals, but he was part of a lot of stuff. He was mm-hmm. he's a controversial figure, um, um, and I'm always conflicted when uh, talking about him because one it's it's Argentina, so it, to something to some extent he's kind of like a distant figure to me but he was also a participant in the guatemalan coup d'etat that where he was radicalized uh or maybe not a participant or like a viewer stuff like that but it was um he's controversial just to say that at least he was definitely part of that wave of communism that helped like launch a lot of countries in central america to like push for like com like communism and the guerrilleros and stuff like that um my feelings for him are mixed um and i think that would be the same for anybody who is from latin america or has heard the stories about how uh the civil wars and like the battle between the government and the guerrilleros like it doesn't matter who won in the end the thing the point the entire point is that a lot of people suffered at the hands Mm -hmm. of both of them so it's um uh, it was an interesting read it was uh very much impressionist as it was uh, (laughs) it was stated i think it's a controversial book um um I think it was a well done book, uh, but in the manner of how you guys said, like you definitely need to like learn some stuff because there was still some points where I was lost, and I usually try to like keep my information like kind of current. But this was isn't current. This was like in this was like published in the nineteen seventies, and like you guys said, it got raided by the Argentinian government. Um, mm-hmm. um, so I. Th- I do think it's something that people should read. I think it's, I would personally love to hear what someone who actually knows about Che or knows about the revolution in Argentina and has more knowledge about it has to say and what they think about it. Because as is right now, I don't feel like I'm qualified to really like say whether yeah. this was good or bad. Like I want to say it's good, I but the most I can say is that it was fascinating. It was interesting. I think it was well made. I think the art for it is incredibly riveting. It feels like something, because like, it is, it is something from the 1970s and that specific art style. I think anybody who knows anything about comics and especially comics kind of media that was around the 1970s, 1980s would recognize kind of that art style because that's what was printed on like cheap books and pamphlets to mm-hmm. get them out and mass produced um, um but as is like i truly feel like i'm not qualified to say whether this is good or bad if you want to go from a place of understanding as someone who's trying to like know more about che then i would say it's badly written if it if it was done more as kind of like an ancillary piece to people who already knew or who people who lived the events of the Chez revolution in the last days of his life, I think this would be well made because they know what's going on. They know what happened. They know the occurrence. They know the effects, the after effects and everything. I think to someone who has knowledge and or who is using this as kind of a reference piece to uh, augment an argument, I think it's I think it's in that case it hit the ball out of the park. It's wonderfully made, especially as a reference material. Um but besides that, <laughs> very I think <laughs> like the man himself, the book is very conflicting. I think that um you make a couple of good points that um are relevant to taking into consideration when you're trying to critique the book and a one is that it is impressionistic. That's it's it's a it's a complete style in and of itself. A very avant-garde when it comes to comic, um, uh, I guess biographies and of being one that this dude did a lot of um, back in the day. In fact, the next one that um, Fantagraphics has coming out is Ava Peron. So um, very very interesting um, on that front. Second is that it was taken from headlines and actual diaries and it's very stylistic in that form. It's not a story being told from a storyteller's perspective. It's literally thoughts 
that mm -hmm. he exactly. himself put into diary and the way that it is presented to us. And who knows if this is really how it was written, but thoughts that are repeated multiple times, multiple times. And it kind of gives you an insight to the psychology uh, behind who he was as a person and where his ideologies come from. And I can see why the government, um, why they were moved to erase this completely from existence because it definitely portrays him in his own words, I'm assuming from his diaries, as being very someone who is very compassionate um, to the poor, very... Um, uh, wanting to help and wanting to make things better, um, always uh, referencing the peasants and, and wanting to make life better for them. And, you know, that, uh, that the only way that that can happen is through revolution. And so I can understand, that's one thing that it helped me to understand, is why young, impressionistic, idealistic people, students, gravitate to that ideology because I could probably say that I would have too as a young high school and college student like you know fuck the man fuck power you know rise up and, and you know there's power in numbers that kind of thing um but I think um the radicalization of incorporating violence and and see because I think I read somewhere in there that he, they were basically taking a lot from what they were seeing and what was happening in Cuba and where they were using violence and actually seeing, uh, seeing like success with that. I mean, violence works, unfortunately, but at the cost of tons of tons of life and people and, and money and all that kind of stuff, it can definitely, uh, uh, Get people to do what you want them to do. Even if they fear you and hate you for it, they're going to do what you want to do, uh, what you want them to do until they band together, you know, and see that there's a different and better way. So in a way, the book has also helped me see that as well, that I didn't really know much about uh, his ideologies and stuff like that. And I mean, in high school, in high school, I wrote a pro-communist. I, I had, we were in, um, in a, what do you call it? Uh, government class and we had to uh, do pros and cons and I got the pro-communist uh, side and I did all my research and stuff I was like hey th these people actually have a point like if if communism was actually implemented the way that it was supposed to be implemented and it wasn't for the greed of mankind it would be amazing um, so I can see where people latch on to that and want to move forward with that um, but Definitely super, super above my uh, level of understanding um, historically. Uh, and definitely, I think, too artsy for me as well. You know, I was going to say that, but I, I didn't know if I should have said that. But yes, it's definitely like really artsy, like yeah. totally and you're right. I mean, historically, like from the history that I know, it's over my head. You know, mm -hmm. that's why I said it was like name dropping because I'm like, <laughs> I don't know these people. I mm -hmm. mean, I know of Eva Peron, but I didn't know what her husband was like, uh -huh. you know. But you, never saw just, the, you never saw the. Uh, I never saw Evita. No, Evita. It's no, even no, funny no. the the notation for the for Eva Perón and how they said that it was like how it was censored by the Argentinian mm -hmm. government as well. Yeah. Um uh, to be more politically neutral. Like what mm -hmm. by censoring something you have already taken its political neutrality away. Uh and I don't know I just thought it was I thought it was an interesting note. So I it's very obvious that his work is important and what they've yeah. done is important. Do I know the significance of its importance? Not quite yet, or uh, but mm -hmm. I can definitely start learning. Um, uh, so, if anything, I think this book has impact uh, because it is 
like I, it's it's about a controversial figure. It's a biography. I think anything that is uh, made to like explain an important figure's life or that tries to capture an important figure's life has importance in and of itself. Um, uh, am I the expert? No. But would I recommend it to somebody? Yeah, I think I would. And you know what? I like I like I do like the pretentiousness of it. I'm. I'm, <laughs> I'm not going to lie. It's very pretentious. Do, yes, it really is. I oh like. I like. Thank I know it. I can see them. it. And like sometimes I scoff at it, but a lot of the times I'm also I'm just like I'm like I went to UCLA. I got. A, I have a freaking like, uh, and I do. I do. I do like it. I like. I like these like high like highbrow or like high literature stuff as well. And so um um I just just putting it out there, this is kind of what this is as well. But you also have to kind of take into account that it was like it's pieces of somebody's life cobbled together trying Right. Like it feels it literally feels like it's trying to piece this man together, trying to like get into mm-hmm. his brain and his thoughts. And like along with that, like it's like it's like almost like hearsay because you have stuff that is like from him and his writings and stuff like that. But also like newspaper prints and the newspaper is going to try to slander him because the newspaper is controlled by the government. And now we're like getting into like the politics of the time. So it's very, very like nuanced and it's very like. Like, here's, like, is this impression of him from his point of view? Is it from the government's point of view? Is it from the people's point of view? Is it from the people who, like, survived uh, the the victors of, like, the, the democracy versus communism war that ended up with this? We just don't know, but here it is. You kind of come up with your own theories kind of kind of thing like you decide whether it is that you like it or not whether this man is human or not or whether this man was just was he an ideal communist like for the people kind of man or was he a terrorist like Mm -hmm. they would have you believe and i think the book very much leaves it up to you how did he affect your life how does he affect your life how did he affect your life and so Mm -hmm. uh Maybe I'm a, maybe I like it a bit more than I said I do. <laughs> <laughs> well, these last two uh, episodes, I've learned a lot about pretty iconic, quote unquote, bad people in history. Pancho Villa last <laughs> week and yeah. now Che Guevara. So it, the one thing that it did do was pique my interest to learn more uh, about him because like I said I was like shocked I had no idea that I mean you have to kind of see that people who um are have the kind of power that he did to lead so many people to do what they did um are intelligent so um but I just didn't know so um it did lead me to want to learn more because it does interest me that so many people to this day still idolize him yeah because it's he, something he said, something he did, or what he stood for resonated with people. And I think a lot of people need to recognize, no matter what he did, he resonated with people. And he still resonates with people. Why? Ask yourself why that is. What is the problem mm-hmm. that occurred back then that is still resonating with people back then? Think! Right. Like, sometimes I just want to shake people and say, think! Piensa! Mendigo! <laughs> <laughs> but... So some boludo. And yeah, um, no. um, I just, I really do wish more people would think. And I'm kind of, and I'm grateful that we've been doing these because Latin American history is important. Uh, I don't care if you're immigrant, first gen, second, third gen. I think history, especially your history, is important to learn. And that if you don't know it, you feel lost. You're mm. You, you don't know where you come from. You don't know where you're going. And you are more susceptible to, I guess, like, anonymity. Or, I like, I don't really, how do I, how do I frame this politely? Like, I guess Americanization as well. Mm-hmm. Which isn't a bad thing uh, in and of itself. It's how you fit in. But you lose your culture. You lose... You lose these things that were important at one point in your life to your family and to you, like your ancestors, and maybe you don't care. 
maybe you truly don't care like who your grandparents were, who were, who your great grandparents were, where they came from, what they believed in, what they had faith in, what their ideals were, because you're here now and the present is always going to matter more uh, than what happened in the past. But at the same time, have pride, have orgullo. Mm-hmm. It's not a bad thing. It's only a bad thing when it's in excess. <laughs> wow that was powerful i like that that was really powerful that really stung me Um, (laughs) well this besides not being something that was my cup of tea um has stirred a lot of interesting and very amazing conversations so like just hearing you guys talk about it makes me want to like maybe revisit it you know (laughs) uh you know what i might because i mean at the middle middle of it, I was just like, man, I cannot power through. This is, <laughs> it's just so pretentious. I don't get it. It's over my head. It's too artsy. And for me to say that, because I wanted to be an artist when I was young, I was like, I'm like really defeated. Like, <laughs> like I felt defeated. I'm like, why can't I get into this? It's way too artsy for me. Like, what the fuck is happening? I mean, but anyway, I think it stirred really great conversation. And I really love what you guys had to say about it. And like I said, I'm going to definitely revisit the book and maybe pay more attention. Um, I don't know. Maybe like I wasn't in the mindset for it, but I'm definitely going to reread it. Uh, are we ready to actually rate the book? Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to go first. I'm going to give it those conchas. This is Sarah. And only those because I'm going to revisit it. Like I said, um, I love the passion that came from Kristen and Jen, especially. And I think that if this book can stir that kind of passion, I really should give it another look, see and read it and actually maybe put myself in a different mindset. Maybe have my little mate with me to just, you know, because <laughs> I do have I have like three materos and like like three bombillas and stuff and i actually just bought mate so oh that shit keeps me up for days man i love that shit it's so good it Uh, is good but man i have to be prepared (laughs) (laughs) uh but yeah that's why it's those conchas for me this is sarah well this is Kristen, and um i'm also giving it uh two conchas because um Regardless, uh, at the end of the day, um, I just felt uh, not qualified <laughs> to to really understand what's going on. And, and like I said, maybe going back and learning more about him uh, in an actual biography or wiki or something um, and then rereading it, I, w- I will be able to connect with it more. I'm giving it two conchas, um, um, not three, just because my ability to connect with it was lacking. But as far as um, as it for me as really looking at it as it is now in our hands and how it was in the 60s when it was made like that to me is just as almost historically important than the story we read. So um, for those reasons, I'm going to give it two conscious. You are both much nicer than me. Um, uh, <laughs> but you had way better things to say about it. Here's just I always thing, love your that, rating system. Um, like I like well, like my who knows how my brain works. Um, uh, I'm giving it like here. Okay, here's my here's my here's my thing with it is that I give it one concha because readability is like it's 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 kind of bad. It's um, uh, very stream of consciousness, very like if you mm-hmm. are not prepared, if you're not learned, if you are haven't been educated in a way that lets you read this, it's very difficult. Yeah. And, um, um, and there's something about readability. At the same time, this is this is a thing that I would read in part that I would 100 percent. Oh, man, I would love reading this in a text like in a class room setting with us having read like either biography this Mm -hmm. thing this uh, and then having read another thing like this would get the three conchas in a study setting like i would eat one as i'm reading it i would read (laughs) i would eat another one as i'm doing the paper and then i would eat another one as a little congratulations to me for having made it through um um. (laughs) 
So overall, it would get the three concha rating. But for like one, for right now, it is one. But it is one that is well deserved. It is like it's like a one concha that's unique. Like it was, it's just fresh out of the oven. Your great grandparent just made it, and it has three <laughs> flavors in it. It's a concha that you get in your dreams. That's what, that's what I'm talking about. So that that one is worth a lot. Nice, nice. So that has been our book review. All right, guys, now it's time for En La Libreria. Jen, what do you have for us today? So today I have for us En La Libreria. Uh, I just minimized the window. Uh, it is called Jelly Bean Presents We Can Funk, a graphic journey into funk music from James Brown to Prince. Oh, my God. That sounds so cool. Yes. So here, let me read for you the little synopsis that they have right here. It says, Funk is a major musical genre that spanned over five decades. There are books, but no graphic novel covering this genre. We Can Funk, a graphic journey into funkdom, aims at filling that void by offering short stories starring the major artists that made this music timeless and unforgettable. Twelve stories about twelve legendary acts. From Pints to James Brown, Rick James to George Clinton, or... Tina Marie, to name a few. So it is brought by the team who created the critically acclaimed Noir is the New Black. Uh, mm. It is spearheaded by Ambassador Jellybean Johnson, original member of The Time and the Family F Deluxe, drummer and guitar oh player. <laughs> yeah, co-founder of the MPLS Sound Museum, We Can Funk includes stories about the finest musicians ever born. And they have... <laughs> The way they've put this too is like it's like something straight, like out of funk. It's it <laughs> looks like a lot of fun. So the people who are going to be like featured in the stories is Prince, George Clinton, Cameo, Tina Marie, Kelly Max, Cool and the Gang, Betty Davis, Rick James, Sly Stone, James Brown, Zap, and Jellybean Johnson. So it's <laughs> it has um uh, art or like at least um uh, like I think Prince by David Mack. And oh, he what? did he did yeah, oh he did a God. he did um uh, the that Prince cover. So Yes, he did, yeah. Mhm. Uh so base pledge starts at um uh, $5 where you can where you get a the Weekend Funk sampler and your name gets mentioned. So you kind of get, you get a bit of the stories or you get a bit of the pages and you get your name mentioned uh, in the credits. At $10, you get the Funky Cookbook Digital Edition, <laughs> uh, which is something separate. At $15, you get the digital edition of the graphic novel as well as your name in the credits. And then at $20, you get the cookbook, the digital edition, your name in the credits. You only get the physical copy at $24, uh, which is the average price for most graphic novels. Yeah. I don't know if it's going to be hardcover or if it's softcover. I think they have a picture of the book here. I think it. I think it's hardcover. So actually, that's not bad. Mm. Like $24 yeah. for a hardcover? That's, uh, that's not bad at all. Um, uh, you get so uh, you get the print edition of the book and you get an enamel pin so that's that's pretty cool nice uh, yeah. and then at $25 you get the print uh, cookbook uh, and the digital edition of it as well so they have they, and then it keeps on going and of course the prices uh, the prices keep uh, going up uh, but check it out. It's on Kickstarter. Uh, it's being made by Fair Square Comics LLC, and it's Jelly Bean Presents We Can Funk. All right, guys, now it's time for Juntos y Fuertes. Kristen, what do you have for us today? So today I have for you, kind of, I'm not sure if I've ever spoken about this before, but it's kind of a reminder um, that there is a website called Donors Choose, and it is a website where teachers um, 
go on and basically provide uh, you with the idea of what curriculum they would like to uh, present to their class. And then they ask basically for crowdfunding to help support those endeavors. And if you don't know, teachers um, do spend a lot of their own money out of pocket to provide supplies for their students. And so this particular website is specifically created only to help support teachers in their classroom. And the reason why I wanted to bring this up is that I came across a um, a teacher here in the Los Angeles area from Watts. He's a teacher at the Animal Watts College Prep Academy. And he uh, is actually asking for people to help support, put graphic novels into his classroom. He has a Ooh. list of graphic novels that he would like to share with his students. And it's anywhere from, uh, from uh, Sandman, Kingdom Come, Infinity Gauntlet, um, to uh, Mouse and uh, 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 why I want to say um, what's the one uh, with the senator? Now I can't remember. But anyway. <laughs> um, oh, Run? No. March? March. There you go. Um, run is the one that's the most recent one. Um, so um, his uh, we'll share the link to his particular campaign, but I wanted to just remind people that donors uh, choose dot org is um is a website that you can go to. You can search by topic. So um, I just went in and I searched comic book uh, and a whole bunch of stuff came up. Then you can also search by location. So I searched comic book Los Angeles and that's where I learned about Mr. Martinez uh, at the Animal Watts College Prep Academy. Um, he wants to provide these um, these books to his classes, um, grades nine through 12. And um, I just really thought that it was an amazing thing um, to be able to provide graphic novels and comics to students, um, and especially such iconic ones um, that he had on the list. So um, if you are not local to Los Angeles, definitely give DonorsChoose.org a look um, and help support a teacher in your area. All right, guys, now it's time for saludos. And as you guys remember, in last week's episode, I talked about Chisme, about Beer Thug Life, uh, actually having establishing his own brewery, Beer Thug Brewing, um, under the same, um, in the uh, Border X Bell location. So saludos goes out to him um, because he has a campaign right now to raise funds for his brewery um, there is a $250,000 goal and right now it's at $21,200 uh, $21, uh, so saludos goes out to them we'll be posting a link about his crowdfunding endeavor because we definitely need more people of our color in the brewing industry we know that uh, there's not much representation in the beer uh, industry as far as women are concerned and as brown people so saludos goes out to him for you know taking this journey um, to bring up uh, more representation in the beer industry. So saludos goes out to Beer Thug Life, LLC. All right, guys, now that brings us to the end of this episode. Where can they find us, girls? You can find us and all the information you could ever want about our social media at comadrecomics.com, where you can also uh, message us through our uh, contact us page. Yes, definitely. And we're on most social media platforms, and I think all of them, honestly. Mm -hmm. <laughs> all the ones that matter. <laughs> exactly. And we have a YouTube channel as well where you can watch exclusive interviews uh, on, um, uh, I don't know why I just blanked out on the name, but it's literally just Comadres y Comics, right? Yes, yeah, that's our definitely. YouTube channel. It's like, our Las Platicas. Yeah, like, <laughs> Las Platicas, <laughs> yes. yeah. You can watch all our yeah, Las so Platicas you... interviews on there. Yes, definitely. All right, guys. Well, that brings us to the end of our episode. We have been your host. I'm Sarah. I'm Kristen. And I'm Jen. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.
And that's on period. Network. <laughs>